find your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 1. And church family, while you're finding that, we'll ask our children ages 3 through kindergarten, those who are going to uh, children's Bible study this morning, you can be dismissed through the rear of the sanctuary. And church family, we're beginning a new study in the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 1, we'll begin to read in verse number 1. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, the framework of ministry. The framework of ministry, Acts chapter 1. We'll begin to read in verse 1. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. When Acts chapter 1 begins to read in verse 1, the Bible says these words. The former account I made of Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you restore this time uh, the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but I tell you, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now... When he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in wide apparel, and also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come again in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us this morning and challenge us. God, I pray if there's one here who's never been saved, God, there's never been a moment where they've trusted Jesus to be Lord of their life as they turn from all their sin and all their self. God, we pray that they'll choose Christ today and they'll be born again so that the hope of heaven will truly be a reality for them, not the doom of hell because they won't trust Christ. And God, I pray that you'll encourage and you'll continue to burden this church family these days uh, for over lostness. And God, we'll be encouraged to faithfulness, to be, to be active in the mission that you've left for us, that you set a beautiful example uh, through the Gospels. And God, I pray that one day when you do come in the clouds to gather your church together, you'll find us at that moment being faithful to that which you've called us to do. Bless this time. Your perfect will be done in every heart and life. We'll give you thanks now for what we trust you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. Uh, you know, a lot of people believe if you were to ask, you know, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, most people would say the Apostle Paul, but that's not true. It's Luke. When you put Luke and Acts together, Luke wrote more of the New Testament uh, than any other writer. And the book of Acts really is just a continuation. It was written for the Gentile perspective. We don't know a lot about Theophilus that we see in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, and in Acts chapter 1, but that's who Luke was writing this to. But 2,000 years later, here we are at Greenwood Baptist Church this morning reading the letter that the Holy Spirit moved Luke to write. And it's said at the top, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles. He continues to work through the church that would be born. In, in Luke chapter 24, verse 53, uh, there really could have been, I'm not saying the Bible's not perfect, but I'm saying there could have been, Luke could have written, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. And because that wasn't the end, when Christ ascended uh, with nail-pierced hands, blessing them as he ascended, that, that wasn't the end. Really, it was just the beginning. And so we see now in the book of Acts, uh, and we're going to see some four things this morning in these first ten verses. They're a framework, uh, not only for what we'll continue to see in the book of Acts, but still for ministry today. We're going to see four parts of a frame that all ministry will, at a minimum, 
have. Number one, I want you to notice a continued plan. A continued plan. Again, the Bible says in verse 1, the former account I made, O Theophilus. So he's, he's writing this to this Gentile because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and he wants to encourage this man and to share with him all that the Lord had done and continued to do through the church. He said, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And friend, Jesus is the focus of it all. It burdens me sometimes when I hear people say, oh, we're going to be studying now the New Testament again, uh, the Old Testament again. You know, I just wish we were over in the Gospels. I had a family that I pastored one time. And they said, we, we just want to hear them Gospels. We just, we just want to hear, hear, them, hear them Gospels. And I said, well, friend, listen, Jesus is on every page. I don't care what page in the Bible you turn to, friend, you're going to see Jesus there. He's in every part of it. And so that's what all of Scripture is about. He says, I'm writing to tell you not what we did. Luke says, not what I did, not what Paul did, but all that Jesus. He said, formerly I wrote to you what Jesus began both to do and teach, but it's what Jesus is going to continue to do through the church. He's the focus. And so the first thing he shares is he's a reminder of what Jesus did. Uh, Luke 19.10, Jesus said to himself, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Why did Christ come? Well, Jesus answered that question himself. We don't have to try to get a think tank together and try to figure that out. Jesus said to himself, he said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. And that's all people. The Bible teaches all have sinned. And Christ came to, to find everyone that is lost, but not only just to, not to convict them of their lostness, but to share with them the plan of salvation. And Jesus made a way, only Jesus made a way on the cross that all people could be saved. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that when we by faith confess him to be Lord of our life, Luke 13, 3, after we have repented and turned from sin, then we can have a personal relationship with God through him. And, and so that's why Jesus came, was to seek and to save that which is lost. He really gave a beautiful illustration of that in Matthew chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, uh, where, where Jesus began to share a parable uh, about a shepherd who loved his sheep so much, and even though 99 were safe, he left them to themselves to go find the one that was. And he says in verse number 12, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep? And one of them goes astray and does not leave the ninety and nine to go to the mountains to seek the one which is straying. And, and if he should find it, surely I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than the ninety and nine that didn't go astray. He said, even so it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And friend, I want you to know, if you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you're among a church family uh, that, that has been. There's been a, if you've been saved, say amen this morning. See right there, there's been, there's been a time in their life where they've repented and they've trusted Jesus. But I want you to understand this. They weren't born into that. They didn't inherit it. It wasn't pounded into them somewhere. They were indoctrinated. Uh, they didn't go on a, a trip and then, you know, go into a next level class and then have an initiation. If they've been saved this morning, that's because the Holy Spirit of God came seeking them and convicted them of their sin, and drew them. And then as someone shared the Word of God and told where the Bible tells us how to be saved, they chose to turn and trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life. And I want you to notice one, that if you're here and you've never been saved, Jesus is seeking after you. When He died on the cross, friend, He was thinking about you. He loves you. And just as Christ came seeking me one day, he sought the woman at the well. He sought others that he ministered to in a body of flesh and blood. The Holy Spirit of God came searching after me and convicted me of my sin. Someone shared the Word of God. And I'm so thankful someone gave an invitation on a warm summer night in Waynesville, North Carolina. And I had the opportunity to be saved. And so Jesus came to seek those that are lost. And John 6, verse 44 says, it's initiated by God. Nobody comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit draws them. You can't, you can't bully somebody into be saved. It's a choice that has to be made, but it's initiated by God. So He came seeking us, but then also He says He came to save people. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world 
that gave his only begotten son, whosoever believed in him would not perish. When the Bible says that God gave, it's not just that he sent him or that he lent him for 33 and a half years to walk among us as a perfect example that if we try to model that and maybe if we just reach that standard somehow we'll get into heaven. No, friend, when God gave Jesus, he gave him to be slaughtered. He gave him that he might be nailed to the cross in your place and in my place. And that's the, that's the way we're saved is to trust Jesus, not only what he did, but to trust him to be Lord of our lives. Paul said it in the text we looked at in discipleship last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus knew no sin whatsoever, but all our sin was cast upon him on the cross. He was made sin, and God made a way through him for him. He has sent the Holy Spirit to draw us, to seek us, and then God paid the way, friend, that we could be saved in the body of his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's what Paul's reminding that Jesus did in a body of flesh and blood. But the Bible also tells us that he, he taught while he was here. Not only did he come to seek and save, but he gave instruction. We know that not only as reaching, but also as teaching. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Look at verse 1 again. He says, I share with you again, Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, and in verse number 1, after a very sinful woman was broken over sin in Luke chapter 7, and found faith and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The Bible says he departed from there. Now it came to pass afterward, after all that had happened, that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Listen, when Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, he wasn't, talk, he wasn't just singing songs about, hey, I'm coming soon. It's not the kingdom that's in heaven. It's the kingdom that can be experienced now. I am thankful, friend, that we're going to go to a land where we'll never grow old, that there, there is a city of gold. But, friend, listen, God wants us to experience a little heaven down here now. Amen? And so, friend, listen, there's nothing spiritual about walking around looking like you were born on the dark side of the moon or your mother-in-law's moved in with you for the summer. Listen, Jesus said in John chapter 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and life more Abundantly. He wants us to have heaven here. And the only way you can have that, friend, listen, Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is for Christ to live as your, your heart is to be a throne. And Jesus is to be seated there. Not only at the moment of salvation, but at all times. He says, and when that happens, then all these things shall be added unto you. Remember that as he moved about through Jerusalem, pay close attention. He began to go about, and, and it was a city that was in turmoil because Rome occupied the world at this time. And many of the Jews moved about and they kept their head down, but secret within their heart, they wanted Rome to go jump in the ocean. They wanted Rome dead, and they wanted their independence, and they wanted to be number one. And as Jesus began to preach about the kingdom, they said, yes, amen. Go to Jerusalem and sit down on the throne, establish the kingdom. But that's not the kingdom he preached about. It wasn't a kingdom where he would sit on the throne in Jerusalem. First, it would be a kingdom where he reigned in men's and women's hearts. And so that's what he was teaching about. And the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 66, when people began to hear that, the Bible says many of his quote-unquote disciples followed him no more. They said, we didn't sign up for that. If we can't have freedom now, we're going to find somebody else. But the kingdom that Christ preached about was a kingdom of hearts. And so the Bible says here in verse number 2 that even after he rose from the grave, look at Acts chapter 1, until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. He was, con he was continuing to teach. Uh, verse 6, they were confused. They said, that, therefore, they came to Jesus when they'd come together and said, Lord, now, now are you going to restore the kingdom? Now are you going to move Rome out of the way? And Jesus said to them, verse number 7, teaching them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. He says, look, don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. He says, get to work. He says, you're going to have a mission. Get to work. How did they know what to do? Because Jesus taught them. He gave an authoritative word as to what the church 
was to be doing in his absence. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples. I had a Calvinist tell me one time, says, well, God, God didn't call us, you know, to share the gospel. He just called us to make disciples. Well, friend, you can't make a, a man until a boy's been born. And you can't make a disciple until a sinner's been born again. And so it starts with reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we're to teach them to observe all things. The first act of obedience, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded. And Jesus says, I'm going to be with you even till the end of the age. Reaching, teaching, and encouraging. That's what Jesus, don't miss this, began. And so Luke literally structures his language to say he began to do this. There's no sense that it was finished, that once he left, it was over. He says that's what he began to do. And so we're talking this morning, first off, about a continued plan. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. What's the church to be doing in these days, friend? We're to be yielding ourselves to Jesus Christ in faithfulness, reaching teaching and encouraging. And as he moved about in the body of flesh and blood for 33 and one half years, seeking and saving, he moves through his spiritual body, the church, seeking and saving that which is lost. Isn't that great? He's on a throne in heaven and he's ministering this morning. If you're here and you've never been saved, listen, it's not me. Jesus is speaking through his word to you this morning and he's calling you to salvation. If you're not actively living on mission, He's going to speak to you through His Word this morning. And He's going to challenge you. If you're burdened and you're just depressed and you think it's all negative, it's all bad, and it's never going to get good again, listen, it's going to get really good in the last point. He's going to speak to you. He's going to encourage you this morning. And so the mission continues. And that's what the local church, and that's only what the local church is to be focused on, is the great Commission. So there, there is a continued plan. He says in verse number 8, You shall be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. Now how would you like if, sadly, you were in a fender bender and the person that you hit, you're, you're, you ran the red light, you hit them. It was your fault. And so you have to go to court. And the person that you hit, you know, they're, they're, they're a dirty, low-down dog, and they put the collar on, and there's nothing wrong with them, and they walk in, and they're all stiff, and they're sitting there, and they've got a cane in front of them like this. And all of a sudden, you know, they put somebody up there and says, Your Honor, this is witness number one. And they put witness number one on the stand, and, you know, they, they, they ask them, says, Well, now, what did you observe? And they say, well, I didn't observe anything, but, but uh, what I really believe happened was that guy over there ran into the car my friend was driving, and now his neck stove up. That's what happened, Your Honor. Well, how would you feel about that? Let's say, well, sir, were you at the accident? Well, no, I was at work down on Gun Barrel, but I heard about it just a little bit later, and that's what happened. Friend, that's not fair. But what if there was somebody that was standing on the sidewalk, and they say, well, Your Honor, you know, it's, it's not exactly like they say. He actually just kind of ran through the red light and just barely dented the bumper. The other car that they hit, it was almost stopped when they hit. So I don't know why. Maybe he's got a cold or his neck's a little chilly in here. But I don't know why they're wearing all that stuff. But all I'm telling you, Honor, is listen, what I saw and what I observed. What's hard about that, friend? What's hard about telling somebody what you have seen and you've observed? Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go into a world that's never heard my name, that's never experienced what you've experienced, and you're simply going to tell them what you've seen, what you've heard, and what you've experienced. Brother and sister in Christ, listen to me this morning. If you've been saved, then you ought to be able to tell somebody how you got saved. Say amen right there. And not only that, friend, God's going to hold you accountable for it. Every person under the sound of my voice, God may never call you into full-time evangelism that you're going to book meetings and travel from church to church, but you will be held accountable by God as to whether daily you sought to be a witness for Him. 
Why? Because that's the mission continuing. We're simply sharing with people how they can come to experience the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the continued plan. And it begins at home, but it continues outward. Continue to look at verse number 8. He says, you shall be my witnesses, starting in Jerusalem. That's where the church started. And then all Judea, you're to move out into the county. Then you're to go over to the city that's in the people you don't even like. He said, that's over in Samaria. Because everybody in Jerusalem thought that the Samaritans were low-down, inbred dogs because they had intermarried with the Assyrians after the 722 B.C. judgment. They hated these people. And see, friend, once you get saved, the first fruit is you're going to begin to love people that you used to couldn't stand. Now listen, and you, may, you still may not like how they act in their culture, but there's something that's going to happen with you, friend. You're going to love their soul. You can't explain it. You just, you love them. You don't want them to go to hell. And so that, they were like in Jerusalem, Judea, eh, I got some cousins there. Samaria, no way. And the uttermost parts of the world, guess who that was? That meant even Caesar himself. He says, I want, some, I want you to go tell Caesar how to be saved. I want all the Romans to be saved, the ones that are oppressing you. And so, friend, listen, while we need to be concerned about foreign missions, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And I've met people before, they're so wrapped up and consumed with foreign missions and taking this mission trip and they're raising money and, and, and thanks be to God for it. But I, I'm amazed, though, that there's very little witnessing going on at home, but they want to travel to witness all the time. If you're going to be traveling somewhere, friend, you all be witnessing at home just as much. He says, you're going, you're going to be my witnesses. So it's a global view that begins at home. John 20, verse 21. Jesus said, listen to me. He says, as the Father sent me. As the Father sent me. He said, so send I you. He said, God sent me down here to seek and to save. He says, and I'm sending you just to be my mouthpiece. Just like these speakers on the floor, these up here. Friend, listen, there's nothing, there's not a little man or a little monkey on the wheel up there that's making the noise. They're simply just sharing what comes through this speaker right here. This little microphone. And that's all we do. We simply are mouthpieces for Jesus Christ. He speaks through us. He says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. So first off, there's a continued plan. Second notice this morning, a continuous presence. We saw the first leg of the frame, the chair of ministry. That's, that's a continued plan. Notice a continuous presence. Presence. The Bible says in verse number 4, And being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, because you know that was going to happen. It's a church. What do we do now? Well, let's take a vote. Where are we? No, I, Jesus took all those questions away. And he says, after I sinned, he said, you're, you're going to wait. Being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Well, what was the promise? What's the promise that Jesus had made in John chapter 14? Begin to read in verse number 16. He had told us, and, and listen, when, he, when Jesus began to speak these, these words to his disciples, they really didn't understand it. They, they really thought Jesus was going to be with them forever. Remember that when Jesus began to tell Peter, listen, I'm going to die on the cross. Peter says, no, you're not. And remember, he looked at him and he says, Far, get behind me, Satan. He says, Peter, you're tempting me. He says, that for this purpose, I've come. That's why God sent him. He said, so, but, but they didn't understand that. And so Jesus was trying to prepare them that he was going to go away, but someone else was going to come down. When he went away. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 16. He says, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. He's the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and listen to this, and will be in you. When Jesus talked to his disciples, he stood in front of him, just like Gary Rosenbaum sitting right in front of me right now. I can see Gary. Well, Gary's looking down. Now Gary can see him. He's looking back at me. And when Jesus talked with his disciples, he was looking at them, and they were looking at him. He was in a body of flesh and blood. Jesus says, but when I ascend to heaven, 
He's coming down. Now listen, friend, this, Jesus could only be in one place at one time. He couldn't be everywhere at one time because he was confined to a body of flesh and blood that hung on the cross, that died on the cross, and then rose from the grave. But when Jesus went to heaven and the Holy Spirit came down, he can be in my heart, he can be in your heart, he can be in someone's heart in Afghanistan, he can be even in Eskimo's heart up in the North Pole, friend. He can be everywhere because he's the Holy Spirit. He said, so I'm telling you, he says, I'm, there's one that's coming and he's, he's going to be your helper. He's going to live in you. Verse 23 of John chapter 14, Then Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. It says, And we will come to him and we're going to make our home in him. He says, I'm going to live in your heart. He said, I'm going to indwell you when you trust me to be Lord of your life. Verse 26, he says, but the Helper, this is the promise, it's the Holy Spirit, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. And so Jesus says, I'm telling you, he says, there's going to be a continuous presence. There had to be some apprehension. Like he, he keeps talking that he's going away. What are we going to do? How are we going to survive? He's always taught us how, how to live, where to go, what to do. When we don't know what to do, we come to Jesus and, and we ask him questions. How, how are we going to make it? And Jesus said, listen, you need to calm down. I'm always going to be with you. And so he's trying to share with them what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. Look at verse number 5 again, Acts chapter 1. He says, John baptized with water. That is, John took people out into the river. He dunked them all. And listen, people say, well, does the kind of baptism really matter? It mattered to Jesus. John didn't stand on the banks, friend, and flick water at Jesus out of a Dixie cup. He went all the way under, and he came all the way up. And listen, all it did was get him wet, and that's all baptism does. Friend, baptism can't save you. All it does is get you wet. But what it demonstrates is what's already taken place in your life. You have died with Christ, and you're being raised to new life in Him. He said, so the water got on the outside. He said, but now you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be indwelt. Listen, when, when John baptized, the water dried off in about 30 minutes. He said, but when you get saved and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, He comes to... And listen, and again, it's a He... Because you hear a lot of people talking about, when I had a second baptism. Friend, listen, if they had a second baptism, then they never had the first one. Amen? There's no second baptism. There is one baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? He is a person. And you get all of Him that you're ever going to get. The question is daily, does He have all of you? He said, so you're, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's just we preach through the minor prophets Seems like eons ago, uh, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that's what Joel prophesied, was that God would pour His Spirit out on all flesh. He says, and it shall come to pass after, thou pour my Spirit out on all flesh, not just the Jews, but all people. And the Holy Spirit would indwell people. The moment you repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life, listen, there, 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 was, there, there was no miraculous thing that took place as far as you getting carried around the room or a mist that came through the room. Angels didn't start singing. Trumpets didn't go off. The moment you repented and trusted Christ, friend, just like that, you passed from death to life, and you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And now you have a continuous presence. Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I, I like to share this with people, especially now because you can't go to the hospitals. But when you go into that, if you've got to go into that little MRI tube, and I know some of you are claustrophobic. You're like, nobody can go in there with you. Guess what? If you've been saved, Jesus is in there with you. You know, when, when some of you, bless your hearts, you've had, you've had to go down. I've, I've done it with my family. You've got to go down to the funeral home. Your mind is so consumed. You can't make decisions. You don't want to. Your loved ones just died. Jesus is there with you. 
When you get that bad report from the doctor, Jesus is there with you. You've got a child that's just absolutely breaking your heart because they're rebelling against the Word and the will of God. If you, just, you feel so alone. Jesus is there with you. You're in the midst of, of marital stress, a relationship that's broken. And Satan says, well, yeah, Christian, life's not too abundant right now. And you just feel so empty and so alone. Friend, Jesus Christ is right there in the midst of that storm with you. There's, there's a continuous presence. Whereas before, in the book of Luke, they had to go find Jesus to be in the boat that he was in. But now when they get saved, friend, Jesus is in every boat where a child of God lives. There's a continuous presence. There's a continuous presence. Matthew 28, verse 20, he says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end. And that means here in 2021, which is absolutely crazy as a bed bug, Jesus is still with His church. He's with us. He's here today. If you've never been saved, friend, listen, He's knocking on the door of your heart right now saying, won't you let me in? He's here. There's a continuous presence. But third, notice this. Not only was there a continued plan, a continuous presence, but Luke also shares there was a controlling power. The third leg on the chair of ministry, the framework of ministry, it's a controlling power. I can't speak for you, but I can't imagine. I know this, friend, when God called me to preach, I tried to do everything but it. Everything but it. I just, I, I ran from God for about, it was two of the most miserable weeks of my life. I didn't eat hardly, I couldn't see. My, my parents literally thought I, had, I was going insane. I mean, I don't mean I was out just barking at the moon, but I'm just telling you, I was not myself. And what it was was this, friend, I was running from God. And one of the biggest reasons is I said, there's no way, God, I can, I can do that. There's no way. I don't know enough about Scripture. The job I had before had nothing to do with saving people. It was the opposite. And so I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't know how I was going to do what God had called me to do. I felt like He was calling me to do. And then one day, friend, I began to read these Scriptures. And verse number 8 says, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. God says, I'm going to call you to be my witnesses. The ministry's going to continue. There's going to be a continued plan. He says, and there's a continued presence. He says, I'm going to be with you. And some lost persons might say, well, big whoopity do. You know, the Holy Spirit lives within your heart. What does that mean? Well, first off, it means you've been born again. But secondly, friend, it means this, that the things that which God has called us to do and will hold us accountable in how we do them, He's going to live inside us and be the power that accomplishes them through us in spite of us. In spite of all our limitations, all of our low self-esteem, all the things that Satan tries to tell us that we can't, Jesus was trying to tell those early disciples that were going to be the foundation of the church, and he's trying to tell you today, well, I just can't be a witness. I can't talk to my coworker. I've got family, and that's what different. You know, you just can't, you can't witness to your family. Where's that in the Word of God? Friend, one of the biggest hurdles is already over. You already know them. One of the hardest things about witnessing somebody is striking up a conversation. But if you already know somebody, friend, you're already, you've already got one foot in the door. Someone says, well, I, I can't do that. The Bible says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's the power. He's the power. He says there's going to be a controlling power. The text we just finished, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we're to be filled with the Spirit. So sad, like liquor controls a drunk. Say, do, act in foolish ways. It's the liquor running through their body. They've got more liquor in their blood then, then they do sense. And they do things that they wouldn't do without it. Paul says, like, like don't be drunk with wine or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God control you in spite of you. He says there'll be a controlling power. John 15, 5, Jesus says, Without me you can do nothing. But Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So don't you let the devil do what he did to me. And that was telling me, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. Friend, what God calls you to do, listen to me, what God calls you to do, He will empower you to do. He'll make a way, He'll provide, and He'll, he'll empower you. You say, well, I just can't, I can't understand Scriptures. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word, and I just, I just don't, know, I don't know how to share my faith. You know how you feel that way sometimes? You know, you don't have to just nod your head, you don't have to raise your hand, I just don't know how to share my faith. 
I've got good news to share. You ready for a little good news? Huh? You ready for some good news this morning? Tonight, we're going to start a discipleship series on how to share your faith. Aren't you saying amen right there? We've got half of you. That'll work. That, at least half of you will come back. So we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna teach you verses that you can share with somebody so that you can be effective in what God's called you to do as a witness. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. You say, I can't. Friend, listen. If you say, I can't, listen to me, you're calling God a liar. You're calling God a liar. God says you can do all things through Him as He empowers you, a controlling power. If you say, God, I can't do this, you're calling God a liar. Don't do that. Have faith in His Word. I'm telling you, friend, I'm a satisfied customer. In spite of you, God will work through you if you'll simply yield yourself and let Him work. Thank God there's a controlling power. And fourth, how encouraging Jesus shared with them and Luke shares with us, there's a comforting promise. A comforting promise. So he told them what they were to do. He says, I'm leaving. It's time to get to work. This is what you're to do. Acts 1.8, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, but I want to leave you with some good news. So verse number 9 says, and I can't imagine how brokenhearted they were. First he had died, and they were broken. So confused. Peter's so confused, he says, well, I'm going back to fishing. So I, I, he's, he's dead. And three days later, here he came back to life. They were so excited, they had him for 40 days. For 40 days, he ministered and taught and discipled and prepared them. It's like, we've, we've got him again. He's alive again. And then he says, well, but just for 40 days. And then he gathered together. And he began to depart. Look at verse number 9 says. He says, now when he had spoken these things, that is, he gave them their marching orders, while they watched, he was taken up. Just like when you were a child and you had a, a helium balloon and you'd go outside and you'd let it go. You'd tie like a little note to it. You know, if, if lost, you know, call, if found, call so-and-so. I did that one time. There was a state trooper down near Fayetteville, called me and says, hey, I just found your balloon. I was scared to death he's going to give me a ticket. But he's like, I just wanted you to know that I found it. And I was like, well, man, I appreciate that. I was a little fella. But just like you'd let that balloon go, and you'd watch it and watch it, and you'd still, I can still see it a little bit. That's what they did. Jesus just raised those hands and just blessed them. He was praying for them. And though he had, listen, though he had given them those instructions... They're like, what do, we, what do we do now? I mean, he told us to wait. And they said, but, but how long? What's going to happen? Is he coming back? Where'd he, where'd he go? Look at verse number 9. As he was taken up in the cloud and received him out of their sight, and while they looked steadfastly, God sent some of these messengers to encourage them and help them out. He says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, hey, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Literally, I mean, they're like, didn't he tell y'all to get to work? What are you standing looking up in the sky? You know, and isn't that a picture of the local church? So many? Friend, I will submit to you that the reason America's in the shape that it's in today, it's, it's not, don't name me a political party, don't name this culture, don't name this group, it's because the church has not been faithful to live on mission. We've been sitting looking up into heaven. Waiting for Jesus to come back. And God's given us a mission to do. And meanwhile, soul after soul goes to hell. Listen, I don't care who the president is, who's leading Congress, nothing can turn the tide of this world except the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And we, we, we are the body that God has charged and chosen that he will work through to accomplish that. And so I love to sing songs about Jesus coming soon. And it's encouraging because the day's soon going to end. He's coming back. We've got to get busy. And we've got, we've got to be faithful. So he said, look, what are you, what are you doing? He says, get, get, don't stand there gazing. But just so you know, he said, I want to give you a comforting message as you get to work. 
Every day as it's getting tough, and ministry will wear you out, say amen. It will. If you didn't say amen, then you, all you've ever done is come sit in the pew and go home. But if you serve in church, it will wear you out sometimes. He says, I want to give you a comforting word while you're actively doing that. He says, this same Jesus, look at verse 11, who was taken up from you into heaven will in so like manner as you saw him, he says, he's going to come again. He says, it's a comforting promise. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 52, he says, now, I, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, we don't want to lose our loved ones. It breaks our heart when we lose them. But listen to me, friend. Your loved one can't go see Jesus till they die. Either we're going to go up in the rapture, or we've got, to, we've got to leave this body of flesh and blood behind. He says, I say this, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. What's he saying? He says, not everybody, not everybody in the church is going to die. Now, there's no such thing as soul sleep. That's just the words that Paul was using. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Every person that's ever trusted Christ, verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, do you know there were some Christian uh, engineers from General Electric several years ago, they wanted, they wanted to measure just how fast light could flash across the human eye, and it happens at, at point, 11, point 11 of a second, just like that. That quick. That's the twinkling of an eye. Paul says, in a moment, in, in the twinkling of an eye, he says, all these things are going to happen. The last trumpet will sound, for the, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. Paul says, and we, who he's talking to, he says, the church, he says, we're going to be changed. He said, whether in a grave or whether we're still walking, when Jesus comes for his church at the rapture, he says, we're all going to be changed. He wrote to a church that was struggling in Thessalonica. Couldn't buy, sell, or trade. Couldn't buy, sell, or trade because of their faith in Christ. They couldn't live. They couldn't function. They were facing hardship. And not only that, the devil had sent some false teachers into their midst to tell them things uh, that, that the rapture had already happened. And they'd been left behind. And so they were so confused and they were so upset. But Paul wrote this word through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. They've died in Christ. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Well, why were they burdened? Why, why were they sorrowing? Because they misunderstood. They thought in their lifetime, don't miss this. These, these were standing in Acts 1. They thought in their lifetime that Jesus was going to come back for them. And so as grandma drew her last breath and died, Papa, at a ripe old age, drew his last breath and died. They were confused. They, did, they didn't understand. He says, I don't want you to, to grieve as though you have no hope. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Now listen. He said, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and then the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and re that remain, we shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus shall we always be with the Lord. What's going to happen? Some glorious sunrise, friend. God's going to look at his son and say, it's time to go get him. And he's going to turn the stars into, the stair into a staircase. He's going to split the eastern sky. He's going to whistle as Gabriel begins to blow his trumpet. And everyone who's died in Christ, friend, I don't care whether they've been buried in a casket, they've been cremated, they've been blown up in a bomb, they died at sea, and some fish ate them. Their body's going to be reconstructed. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is going to make them into an incorruptible body and then we who are alive and remain we're going to be called up with the Lord and the Bible says with him we're ever going to be isn't that great one of these days friend we're going to shell out of this insane world that we're living in and we're going home to be with Jesus Christ and look what listen to what Paul says in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4 he says therefore comfort one another with these words he says, as you're being faithful, as you, as you remember that there's, there's a continued plan, as you remember, he says, that, that there's, there's a constant presence, 
is you remember there's a controlling power that you're yielding yourself to. And you're being a faithful witness every day. You're seeking to reach, teach, and encourage. In the midst of hardship, difficulty, heartbreak, he says, keep remembering this, this comforting word, I'm coming back for you one of these days. Who knows, friend, this may be the very day that he comes. If he came today, how would, how would he find you? I love the story in Luke chapter 2, in verse number 49. Jesus is growing up. He's a young child. Ran away from his mom and dad. Three days he's been gone. They're, they're going absolutely... Can you imagine losing your child for three days? You couldn't find them anywhere. It breaks my heart when I see these amber alerts. And people can't find their children. You know, the, the, my heart breaks for these parents. They couldn't find him. Well, finally, they found him at the temple. And they're like, son, what, 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 where have you been? Do you not know what you've done to us? Your mom and I have been worried to death about you. They knew what they had, but they didn't know who they had. They knew, but they didn't know. Their eyes were blinded. And you remember what Jesus said to them? I must be about my father's business. He said, I've got to be doing my father's business. Friend, I want to ask you something. Everybody look at me. Look at me. If Jesus came back today, would he find you doing his Father's business? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never been saved, you're not going to experience heaven. On the authority of God's Word, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. But the good news is this, friend. You don't have to go. Jesus already took all that hell on him. If you'll simply choose today to turn from all your sin and then by faith, believe that Jesus died, that he rose again, and trust him, listen to me carefully, trust him to be Lord of your life. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, do it now. Because, friend, you're not promised another day, and this may be the last opportunity you have to be saved. In the quietness of your heart, even right now, won't you just tell God that desire Pray just like this, silently where you sit. God, forgive me, a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I want Jesus to come sit on the throne of my heart. Save me from my sin. Now, God, take me and make me into the man or the woman that you want me to be. And God, I want to begin to be faithful. I've got lost friends, lost family members. And I want to go tell them what I've experienced even right now. Help me to do that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Did you pray that prayer this morning for the very first time? Did you mean it with all your heart? As the invitation begins in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to make your way forward if you did. And I want to share with you what God wants to do next in your life now that you've trusted Christ. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business. Friend, did you witness for him last week? Did you wake up every day and say, God, who do you have for me today? Who can I tell what I've experienced in you? Are you seeking to disciple, save people that you know, encourage them, help them? Are you actively involved in reaching, teaching, encouraging? Jesus says, that's what my Father sent me to do. As he sent me, so send I you. If he came today, would he find you faithful doing what he's left us to do? Father, challenge us. And what is it? Just a world that's spinning out of control. God, we're glad you're sovereignly sitting on your throne. And Father, I pray that as the world spins and burns on fire, Father, I pray that we won't become disheartened. God, most of all, I pray we won't become distracted. But in these days, your church, especially here at Greenwood, God, we would stay laser-focused on the framework of ministry, what you've called us to do. And not only, God, would you find us focused, but God, find us faithfully doing those things. We're so glad you just didn't talk about going to the cross, but you went. We're so glad you just didn't talk about rising from the grave, but God, you did. And God, by that, by faith, we believe we know you're going to come back for us one day too. And so find us faithful. Father, if there's one in our midst this morning who's not doing that, Brother and sister in Christ, God, even right now, might you convict them. Break their heart over unfaithfulness. And God, I pray that they'll leave this place this morning committed, committed to be about your business in these days.
Father, those that need help, that need encouragement, I pray they'll find it now as your Holy Spirit speaks to them and we yield ourselves afresh and anew to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name we pray. Let's reverently stand to our feet. Heads are bowed. Eyes are bowed.